In our culture, everything is based on success. But what is success and who to find it? That's the big question. Is it measurable? Can you obtain it? Can you dream it? Can you hold it? I'm on a quest to redefine how we view success, and I'd like to bring you on this journey. Welcome to Be Fulfilled. Welcome to episode number 11 of the Be Fulfilled Show, the real stories behind success. My name is Tony Grubmeyer, and I'm excited for you to join us today. Two reasons right off the bat. One, just an invigorating young man, somebody in his 20s who already has sold his first company with his other co-founders, and just his zeal for life and his attitude, how he tax problems and how he solves them. And I love, I love the fact that he was able to sell his business while being on vacation and living in Bali and all the other cool things that he got to experience by living the laptop life for a little bit. So what I want to do today is take you on a journey up Success Mountain with co-founder of NAC, Chris Gonzalez. Their company was recently acquired by NeoReach. It's a leading micro-influencer marketing platform. You're going to be talking about brands like Nestle, Neutrogena, and so much more. So just take your moments, wherever you're at, collect your thoughts, and get ready to go on a journey with us as we interview today's guest, Chris Gonzalez. Hey, Tony. Excited to be here. Thanks for All having right. me on the show. Well, look, a lot of big stuff happening in your life from your business knack to being acquired from NeoReach, all these good things that are happening in your life. But before we jump into all of that, let's jump into you real quick and ask that one question. What is your definition of success? My definition of success is, for one, financially, financial freedom, which doesn't necessarily mean having the most money, but having choices and options and ability to do the things that I enjoy and being as close into proximity and uh, having as much fun with my loved ones and friends and family as possible. I like it. It's a good answer. So I'm going to ask you again at the very end of the show, but we're going to drive through Success Mountain today. And I've had guests change their answer after we go through this process. So are you ready to get climbing? Yeah, I'm excited. I haven't given too much thought consciously to that response. So I'm excited to see what we can discover. All right, cool. So let's talk about you getting started just as a young boy, kind of high school. What kind of student were you in school? Starting off in high school, I was pretty A's and B's, pretty standard and didn't really try too hard. Although I felt it was like school was pretty not too hard or challenging. And it was sort of just came to me. And I wasn't never had to study too hard, played some sports and athletics, and kind of like did that in high school. And then basically, we I started kind of getting into business. And I started kind of literally getting into like just being in business, like, basically, since like the third grade, like that was basically when third grade city came up, like when we did that in the uh, in our like third grade rooms, where we basically ran our own little mock businesses. And I was selling like these, I basically made these little rocks with like these little rock climbers that were climbing these rocks. And I sold these figurines and then sold out the first day. And then after the, since then, I kind of knew that's kind of what I wanted to do. And so leading up to high school, it was really sort of just like having fun and doing and hanging out with friends and doing a lot of that. But then also this undertone of, you know, working on these like various little schemes and things that we were always trying to do to make money and like start businesses. And so like, that was kind of like my general high school experience. All right, brothers and sisters. I have uh, one sister. Her name's Carly. All right, and she's cool. years older than me. What was that like having an older sister in your house growing up? <laughs> it was pretty great, actually, because she sort of laid the laid the the foundations for what what was to come, so to speak. I mean, just going back to high school, I mean, she I always had like she always took me to school. I always had my older sister. I always got to hang out with all those kids, and always kind of got to run with her crew, and it was always a lot of fun. So I think she always sort of like opened the door for 
just like a lot of just, you know, what it was like to like learn through, you know, different things. And like when she was applying for college, you got to watch her do that and then sort of learn from that and then watch her graduate and just sort of watch those steps happen. So it's been sort of nice to have someone there paving the way and I can sort of like to sort of coast back and see how it goes. When you look at your parents growing up, what kind of jobs did your parents hold or still do? So uh, my dad was an executive at IBM. He uh, was an account executive. So he represented companies like EY and PNC Bank and basically would work with those companies from a technology standpoint. And basically, he's actually got me really into computers. He's like the first one to kind of get me a computer and a laptop. My mom has just always been like a self-starter. She was like a sales executive for MCI and then that would, um, they got acquired and then things would change. And then she had started a, like a successful cleaning business where she did that. And then now she's currently a real estate agent down here in Austin. So she's working on like the next phase, which is like commercial real estate investing. That's really fun for her. It sounds like it from what I'm already getting into, your parents had a big, big role, at least in giving you some really good guidelines for kind of being successful. Your sister being the the support two years older, introducing her to her friends, showing you the way with getting, you know, it was a college application, whatever it may be, kind of just having somebody to be there for you. Mom and dad are listening because I know they will to your episode. (laughs) What would you tell your mom and dad about where you're at right now in your life and what kind of you would love to give back to them? Well, you know, well, first off, I would say thank you because I think my parents have given me a ton of opportunities and like to always sort of an endorsement on like always doing whatever I felt like doing at the time. And whether that was the right thing or the wrong thing, I think they always sort of had my back on these like crazy, you know, schemes and shenanigans you know, that I would always get into down to like, hey, I'm selling my car, I'm going to put this money into this business. You know, it was never like my parents were never really sort of like trying to hold me back in that way. It was always like, all right, well, let's see how much we can get for it, you know? And so there was that sort of gave me the the highway and like almost like the green light to just go as hard as I could and focus as hard as I could into, you know, whatever it was at the time, you know? And so at some points, like that was like World of Warcraft and I was playing video games all the time too. So it wasn't necessarily like, always enterprising and doing things too. I was a huge nerd in that respect. But then also, I think like keeping like a good compass of values. So I think my uh, my grandma and pastor, my mom, she always had this saying that integrity is what you do when nobody's looking. And so like my mom was always just like had that instilled that those values in me. And then like my dad, his grandparents actually came from Mexico. They migrated here and my dad grew up in Southern California and he was uh, he grew up as a, in California. They immigrated legally during the Bracero program. And they always taught him hard work. I watched my grandfather come here and not even learn, didn't even know English when, well, I guess I didn't watch, but I heard stories of him not even knowing English, like basically not knowing anyone, learning a trade and learning how to build cabinets and cabinetry and ended up running multiple businesses and building himself up in real estate. And, you know, always had a new Cadillac in the garage. So that has always stood to me as a pillar of like these things like standing on the shoulders of giants, you know, from a family hierarchy standpoint. And I'll tell you, you got a good bloodline. You got people who are uh, loving on you and helping you to succeed. Now, you've gone and done some stuff on your own. And I know you in the back of your mind, you probably have, what would my parents think if I make this move or if I do this thing? What would mom and dad they be approving if not? But let's read this one line for you. One of the first movers to successfully bootstrap and first to really take micro influencer marketing to market, working with brands like Nestle, Neutrogena, and so many more. How does a guy like you? get into a business like that, and then get around brands. When I, I'm thinking about everything you just told me about your mom and your dad and your grandfather and just, man, I got to congratulate you. 
I know you're you're young, thank right? You, thank you. Yeah, yeah. So fine. so cool to be able to talk to somebody around when I got started in this industry. I was 25, 26, and I'm now, you know, 17 years down the road. And I know what my life looks like, and I know what life looked like at 26. What's life like for you today, my friend? You know, it's just focused on a lot of hard work. I think the more recently, it's just, it's just about taking the next step. And I think the mission's not over yet. And I guess how I kind of see things. And so definitely still haven't really like, there's still deadly focus on my goal of building up, you know, a company. Um, we're kind of just taking the wheels back to Knack and how we started that organization and, you know, how we got started, even taking Michael Influencer Marketing to market, which is crazy. You know, quarterbacks don't win football teams. Um, well, maybe unless you're the Patriots, but no, but really teams win victories. And I had a really strong team. I had, you know, my other two co-founders, Dean and Chico, Chico Toronto and Dean Thomas with me. And we essentially were just trying to solve the problem of like, how could we be nomadic and like mobile as individuals that could like make businesses and make money and not necessarily be tied down to like a specific office or nine to five gig. And so we started off with just thinking like, okay, well, we could run a blog. And we started looking at what it took to monetize a blog. And this was like 2015, 2014. And it was like, it took a lot of traffic to monetize a blog to where it's something sustainable. And then at the time, my buddy Dean was running this Instagram account that was like really travel focused. And he had this like really core, hardcore audience of like, it was like 2000 people that just like loved him and his content. And he was just always posting travel content because he was always into traveling. And then we're like, yeah, can we monetize these Instagram accounts? And so we started looking into like what this thing called influencer marketing was. And then like how people could inst- monetize these because we knew we could monetize audience networks. And then like nobody would talk to us because we didn't have at the time at least 10,000 followers. And so we're like, okay, well, nobody wants to talk to us and no one wants to monetize this, but we know this is valuable. So we're just going to start a company that will allow us to just make money from our Instagram accounts, right? And so we started getting into it and like how the process of a brand would want to do an endorsement with somebody on social media. And that whole, this discovery and learning process of how to even sell that to somebody, package it up is really how you conceive the term micro-influencer, which we uh, trademarked at the time. And uh, we pushed that through. But the big thing was just like, how do you package that idea up of selling sort of this person that has 2000 followers or this person has a strong audience. And then that's kind of how we came up with this idea was if you're an influencer and you got a big audience, well, you're a micro influencer. You must just a guy who's influential, but doesn't have a big audience. So I think that was how we kind of came up with the term. And we just came up with it in our shed in the back of this place in this little city called San Marcos, Texas. That's like 30 miles south of Austin. We weren't even in, you know, in Austin. We were in San Francisco. We were in LA. We were in New York. We're like in San Marcos, Texas, you know, just south of Austin and like living in this house that Dean's grandma helped us like, you know, get help us lived on and like paying 300 bucks a month in rent, you know, and we were just like packaging this thing up and trying to sell it. And so that's kind of how we got into it. And there really wasn't a lot of noise or market competition at the time. Influencer marketing is pretty buzzwordy now. There's a lot of different people around into it, but there really wasn't too many people doing it, which allowed us to create this opportunity where you don't already have an established service provider for it. So I think it just in general, if you're trying to discover success and to people who may be trying to figure that out, it's always figure out what your niche is and then figure out if you can do something where somebody hasn't necessarily doing it quite the same way. Because chances are they don't already have a guy for that or they don't already have a provider for that. And that's how we got in. No, I love that. So one thing I want to ask you, because I think it's important for people to understand, like we, 
most people that I know of today and entrepreneurs, they've dabbled in Instagram. They've gone and tried it. Maybe their spouse, significant other has an Instagram account. And we all try to say like, I've done it. I'm like, okay, I got one, but should I try another one? What can I create? Like, oh, I have a passion for traveling, like your partner. You know, I got a couple thousand followers. It was fun, right? But tell me some of the struggles you had early on. Because to replicate what your buddy did, was that easy to do it again and again and again early on for you when to go and build kind of Instagram accounts and build up kind of influencer brands? Was that easy at the beginning? Oh, I mean, absolutely not. The thing about it is we were in the industry. There's a company that's called Tap Influence, and they raised tens of millions of dollars at that point. You know, they were a big company and they're what you would call relative to a new startup who is not venture backed and has in his bootstrapping and is running off like no invested capital, the 800 pound gorilla in your marketplace. And so, you know, we're in this marketplace and we're building this tech product and we like are pulling this thing together with no financial backing. But the thing about it is, is we basically start off early on was like, Hey, we could go to investors or we could just go and build this thing and build it and put our time into it. So I think putting the time into the project is, and not getting paid for it is, you know, for one is when you're building anything, it's just an expectation. And for two, when you have bills that are good or that are due and you have to meet your fixed costs as an individual and you're not monetizing because your technology is not there yet, but you believe in an idea, we grew a garden in our front yard so that we could subsidize our food costs with cabbage that we were growing. And then you know, and then like we all like never went out. It was like there was no fun time or like going out with our friends to the bars or anything. We converted our garage with desk and we sat there. And like the only reason why our edge that you were going to, you know, our only edge we had was that we were going to work 24 7, 365. And so you just had this team of people that were working 24 7, 365 to beat you. And then everyone else is getting flat footed. And what sort of took them, you know, 12 months or I would accomplish three months to do we could do in one week, two weeks. And then that's kind of what got me into, you know, getting growth that got me into marketing that got me into finding where arbitrage and where's the opportunity in certain things in certain placements and what you can do, which really compounded with what we were doing on influencer marketing even more, but the challenges of just not having an steady income and then and then getting told no to a lot of people, a lot of different people that were trying to invest in the organization. It was it was tough. And then also just getting what we wanted and what we thought we, what we deserved essentially for our organization and our hard work. It was always a struggle and a kind of a push and pull in that way. But I think that was probably one of the hardest parts. So let's talk about your nose, right? Most people give up after they get a couple nose. How many nose did you have to get until you finally got a yes? Do you remember? Well, I think the first yes came from when we actually got a customer. And what we decided was is that we were going to create revenue and that we weren't going to focus on necessarily taking such a hard VC route. And we were going to focus on revenues and actually building businesses from customers, which is sounds, it's like that's kind of a, it's just a, that was just kind of a, where a lot of people get lost these days when they're building organizations. It's like, how much can I raise or what can we do there? But I guess from the nose or from the yes standpoint, it really just came from when we got our first customer. And um, it was an opportunity to work with Neutrogena and Walgreens on a campaign and then just being able to like finally be able to have, be validated in what we were working on because you weren't sure, you knew you had a good idea, but you weren't sure if it was going to work or not or if people understood the value of it. Even if you were you too early, is this a good, you know, what's going on and would someone buy this? And then when we were able to work with a brand like that on a collaborate on a campaign together, it was just like out of this world. We had done a few things with a few smaller companies leading into that to build some solid use cases. 
But then when we had a big advertiser endorse us, even from an experimental standpoint, we just knew we had something from there. And then at that point, it was just like fuel on the fire. It was like they fed meat to the piranhas. So we're climbing up Success Mountain. And and this is one thing that I want to tell you. What are some things that you've noticed about yourself that really have surprised you? That you really look back at your life in the last couple of years from working in the garages late at night to not necessarily running out and getting a nice dinner or whatnot and having food in your garden. What are some things about you that you kind of discovered about yourself in this process, about being this entrepreneur, being this successful business owner, and then having your business, we're going to talk about in just a few, about being acquired. What are some things you noticed about yourself that kind of surprised you? Something that surprised me essentially is just what I, I didn't real I didn't know how far I could go and what my limits were on actually, you know, when when you put your mind to something. I think the fact that I was I liquidated my entire four hundred one K when I worked at Apple for two years in college. I got a nice four hundred one K, I had stock options, I sold all of it, make payroll. You know, I sold my car. I like literally have you know, had zero money, got credit cards to keep going and then stop paying my student loan. And I just said, just, I was like, whatever, like, I don't even, doesn't bother me. Why? Because Neutrogena is your customer. And you know, so you're going to double down on that. And who cares about 150 bucks or 200 bucks a month on that, which now in hindsight, wasn't necessarily the best or smartest thing to do. Now, I'm definitely paying for those consequences. But the funny part is, is I didn't even know I would go that far. And so now, you know, and, uh, and I think that's as exciting. And I think, I just, I think there's more potential than I realized. Like, I guess in, when I can really focus in and get into something, I think I surprised myself a little bit. Uh, it sounds kind of funny saying that out loud, but you know. No, and I think there's something important about being able to identify, like, kind of, I say a lot of times, spend some time in reflection and how you got to where you're at, right? When you think about all the places that you've had to go to get to where you're at, all those things had to happen. Stop paying on student loans, cashing on your 401k. All those things got you to where you're at. Not eating out, eating in, like working late, getting up early when everybody said no, you're like, you sold your car and just being determined to push yourself, right? Like how crazy. Stop for a moment. Just, just think to yourself for a moment. Like I'm not where I want to be. Man, I'm excited to be where I'm at. You ever get that? You ever get that feeling? Yeah, definitely. Definitely. You know, it even got crazier too, because my girlfriend wanted to go spend four months in Asia. And at the time, like, I just felt like it was such a cost to like, you know, I couldn't stay back. And so I I wanted to go with her. And so I went with her, but then it was like, all right, well, how are you going to work and be in Asia? You know, and I was going through Southeast Asia. And so all through last year, when we were working on this acquisition deal, we're working on kind of what we saw in the company. I'm doing all this from Asia, you know, in Southeast Asia and Vietnam and so Cambodia. And so I just had this idea of what the world was. But then when I got there, slapped a SIM card in in a hotspot and then realized that I could still go through an acquisition process off my laptop and going through co-working space to co-working space throughout Southeast Asia. I just like put a new dimension to the whole thing and kind of like screwed up my sense of the world of like, well, it's possible. Now I just, now I, I, I regret that I'm stuck at home now. No, I think traveling the world does give you a definite perspective and cool that you got a chance to go do all that with your girlfriend and have the uh, ability to learn something. Most people don't realize for themselves that there is something more that's possible. Like, right. Who would have thought that you would have just said, I'm gonna go grab my laptop. I'm going to slap in a SIM card. I'm gonna go travel. I'm gonna go travel to Southeast Asia. I'm going to go to some places that I don't even know if they have internet connection. And somehow you were able to 
to get this merger together and this being acquired. And, and I think we're going to stop for just a moment. We're going to take a quick little break on the Beef of Hill Show. And we're going to come back. We're going to talk to Chris Gonzalez. We're going to talk about NAC and being acquired and all these good things that are happening for you in your life right now, brother. I'm pretty darn excited to be here with you. I hope you're excited. Hang on to your boots. I want you to go back to third grade because you're going to need what you were selling in third grade. That little cliffhanger. We're going to leave some people there for a moment. And then when you come back, we're going to talk about that and so much more on the Beef of Hill Show. Are you suffering from marketing dysfunction? Are you not able to perform online as well as you could when you were younger? Unable to keep up with the intimate demands of buying product, running offers, and shipping items to your customers? Say hello to Ship Offers, clinically proven to enhance the growth and longevity of your business. Get some today at ShipOffers.com. Hey, it is Tony Grebbeyer, and we are back on the Be Fulfilled Show, the real stories behind success. And if money wasn't the answer, what would it be? Well, we are talking today to Chris Gonzalez. Man, I learned a lot in a short period of time. He worked for a couple of years at Apple. One day said, you know, my 401k, I don't need that anymore. And decided if he wanted to make payroll for his current company, he needed to do something. He also realized he had some student loans and he goes, well, maybe I'll pass on those payments for a while. And he also has figured out why that wasn't a good idea. We've also been talking about his parents and the influence that they've had in his life. His sister being a positive role model at an early age, helping inspire him. I mean, he was into athletics. You know, definitely one of these guys who are moving and shaking in an industry that's always changing. He co-founded Knack with a couple of his buddies. As I mentioned, one of the first movers to successfully bootstrap and really to take micro-influencer marketing to marketing, working with such brands like Nestle and Neutrogena. We are back. Welcome. Let's do this. So here's what I'm going to do. You're at the top of your game right now in life, right? Just find yourself. NeoReach acquires leading micro-influencer marketing platform, Knack. What's that like for you? It's uh, exciting and it's it's really busy. It's a lot more busier than I expected, and uh, you know, and it's exciting. And I think what I'm most excited about is just like the learning opportunity. You know, I think to um, it's just like a whole nother level in the sense of like a whole nother plane of just new challenges to overcome. And then I just think that like you know the challenges in the process is where the learning occurs. And I think I've always sort of been like a a really excited you know really person that was really excited about learning. You know, and I think. That's what I think is what gets me really stoked about, you know, what the next steps are looking like. And that's what pops me up out of the bed in the morning because I'm constantly learning new things and down just how I are doing on the day to day stuff, you know. And I just think that that's like, I think that's been the most exciting part and the most fun part and an opportunity to work in like such a high growth and a, uh, and such work with such high caliber teammates, you know. And I think the bar is set for you every single day. You know, and so I love that, you know, there's this level of accountability that's just like natural, you know, and it's no one's like, you know, well, you got to do this, you got to do this. But like, it's always just so like the level, you know, you just want to keep pushing and, and go higher and higher and higher just because everyone wants to see how far you can get, you know. And so that's what's been really fun. It's just being finding a lot of synergy in that work environment and then also finding a lot of passion in what I'm working on. And I think those things have just aligned really, really nicely. A quote you gave, you said you were thrilled about the acquisition, saying the events mark a real milestone in marketplace maturity. It says, as rarely do two top influence marketing organizations have the opportunity to collaborate with such precision to redefine the entire industry. You're quoted. People are talking about you. That's got to be pretty cool, right? At 26, 27, you have a company, you do all the bootstrap, everything that you need to get it, then you get acquired. Now, you are just somebody who is moving and shaking. You are the chief marketing officer, right? Yes, sir. Yeah. 
What's that like now working for a company when you had started a company? What does that feel like for you? Uh, I mean, it's really just an extension. You know, I don't really feel like, uh, you know, I'm in this environment where, you know, I'm necessarily working for any somebody. I feel like I'm working for my team, honestly. And that's really not changed. I think whether you're just starting out or you're a CEO, no matter what your title, I think people depend on you. And so I think that's really where that hasn't changed too much in the sentiment of like being there for people that are depending on you to get your work done and get things done and move the ball forward. And like I just said, I just see it as a, an extension. Obviously, you know, at the executive level, you have this latency to kind of do the projects that you see fit and what you want to work on. And I think a lot when we talk about redefining the industry, it's about bringing in this like perspective of where we can go with it. You know, I think influencer marketing is got so much potential. And I think it's really exciting that we're now, you have a whole team that's aligned on where to go now with that vision. And more importantly, Throughout this discovery process, everyone's had this vision that wasn't forced and it wasn't necessarily, uh, it was so organic in how it came together. And I think that synergy has been something that's really special. So in a lot of ways, there's this immense sense of relief that it's all not only coming together, but that it's going to actually, you know, it's taking to this next step, you know, and what we're capable of doing. I think when you're talking about these two powerhouses coming together in influencer marketing, we have essentially two industry pioneers that we're working in here. You have Nearreach that was really focused on the heavy professional creator network, very focused on YouTube, very focused on video, very focused on really strong tracking technology, really strong, had a strong grasp of managing these campaigns. And then you're talking about NAC over here, pioneering micro influencers, an entire new sub product and subcategory that ended up being one of the fastest growing trends in 2016. We had an incredible South by Southwest launch and had incredible momentum. We were doing things on Snapchat that nobody was doing and that nobody has done really since and being able to coordinate and gather just Snapchat influencers alone. And then we were doing a lot of stuff on Instagram and coordinating and building up our databases and skills there. So the opportunity to work with some of the biggest names in the industry. I mean, we got to run campaigns with Intermedia. You know, we got to run campaigns with Ketchum and all these wonderful, fantastic agencies that are that work with the best, you know, and then to come to have that meet near each, which is this company that's worked with Walmart and Airbnb and catch them as well. You know, we've all, we've cohabitated in the same environment to bring the expertise and more importantly, the time it takes for the, to work through all these lessons. It's constantly Q and A. It's constantly question ask and constantly testing hypothesis. And so we get to bring our research together and really, and really bring our combined all everything we've been working on. And I think that is where we're going to see the catalyst for major changes and really being a D-dominant player in the industry. All right, man. I love it. So what we're going to do is I want to take you through the fulfillment round. So the fulfillment round is me shooting a bunch of questions your way. They have no right or wrong. There's no phone a friend. There's no lifelong. There's no hanging up. There's no running out of the room and saying, I don't know. I need you to answer. And if you don't know the answer, don't pass. Give me a good answer. Just make something up. All right? All right. You ready? Ready to go. All right. So this is a fulfillment round. If you had to do it all over again, there was no Instagram. You were stuck with Pinterest or LinkedIn. What platform would you choose to build again? LinkedIn. Okay. If you had a chance on LinkedIn to lead a discussion, what would your one discussion be about how you could help improve LinkedIn? How I could help improve LinkedIn. I'm going to say it sounds a little cliche because they're doing a lot of change of these right now, but groups, honestly, I would help improve like LinkedIn from a group standpoint. All right. Favorite thing you did when you heard your company was acquired and it was completed. What was the one thing that you went and did? How did you celebrate? 
we were, I was in um, this place called Chenggu and Bali and we was with my girlfriend and um, we were like at this like little resort and then I was working on my laptop. We finally got everything know that we were really like, we were really, we kind of got this thing unofficially official. And then uh, we went and had breakfast and just had a nice, wonderful breakfast with my girlfriend and sat back and we just, you know, drank some orange juice and had just a nice conversation about everything. That's so cool. All right. If it wasn't Austin, where would you live? If it wasn't Austin where I live, um, probably, uh, that's a hard question. Uh Honestly, I would think it's so I think cool. I would, if you just see, like he's he's so rooted in Austin, you can tell he doesn't want to leave. I like I told I've like I said I went to a lot of different places. You know, I've been to Western Europe, I've been to Southeast Asia, I've been to you know so many different places. But I always come back, and I have, we have a killer sunset here. You know, but I I would say I really 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 liked Vietnam a lot, honestly, and I think I would probably probably go to Hoi An or. Um, you know, potentially Hoi An, honestly. I really like that place in Vietnam. I like it. It's I like it. Favorite type of music? Um, favorite type of music is hip-hop. Really All right, favorite that. hip-hop artist? Favorite hip-hop artist right now? Um, oh, Remember I told you before the interview, 15 years back, you could listen to this and go, man, I was into rap. This is the kind of stuff I loved. So favorite artist? Uh, I'm just going to have to still go with... Um, oh, that's a tough one. That's a tough one. I th- I'm going to have to go with... Uh, I think uh, currency, honestly, is a, is a rapper called Currency, and I think he's uh, definitely. I think he's my favorite rapper right now. All right, what do you think about Bitcoin? Did you, did you catch that? Yeah, I got currency. So now I'm asking, what's your? What do you think about Bitcoin? Oh, what do I think about Bitcoin? Um, I've like playing. I'm messing around. I have you know, I play around with a little bit of cryptocurrencies. I have a little bit of, been a little bit of, just to kind of check it out and see what it's all about. I don't think necessarily Bitcoin is, I think Bitcoin represents a movement. I think Bitcoin represents the marketplace opening into something new. And I think what's more exciting to me is about blockchain. I think what blockchain represents from like a technology standpoint and as a platform is extremely interesting to me. And so I think it's going to, essentially, I think we're living through what we went through in the 90s to the internet, just essentially with blockchain. No, I think that's, you're spot on. My 19 year old is, you know, dabbling in it, having fun and calls me, oh, I'm up 20 today. I'm down 20. And I'm like, Hey, babe, when you spend your time playing in a game, that's what happens, right? We win some and lose some, but cryptocurrency is awesome. Blockchain's definitely the game. Yeah. I just want to say it's been fun, but I got a couple more questions for you. If you were to star in a, a movie, if you were to star in any trilogy that you've seen in the last 10 years, if it was a Star Wars trilogy, Star Trek, if it was uh, Guardians of the Galaxy, if it was Shrek, what kind of trilogy would you find yourself landed in as you kind of look at your life today? Star Wars, man. Cool. What's your favorite character? All day. I love Star Wars. I love Han Solo. There you go. He's like the always because he's just, he always, like, he'll do what it takes to get it done and he's underplayed and, like, he's definitely, boom, I've got the Han <laughs> Solo phone case, man. All right, business partners. Which one's more like Chewbacca and more like Luke Skywalker? <laughs> well, um, I would say like uh, the guys that we started NAC with. There's Chico, Chico Torado is more like Chewbacca, and I would say uh, Luke Skywalker is more like Dean, Dean Thomas. All right, ladies and gentlemen, you survived the fulfillment round. It's been an absolute honor. Hopefully, you got a lot out of it. If you're listening today and you realize what the heck is micro influencer marketing all about, and how did this guy go from basically giving everything he had to selling it at 26 years old to being able to celebrate with his girlfriend in Bali, just figuring out how to get connected to the internet, and then 
all the successes that you've achieved already in your life. But I think the thing that I'm left with today, and I think, you know what? You got to give kudos to your parents. You really do. And I don't know how much they truly played off camera, off, you know, recording in your life, but the way that you talk, the way that you have a way of articulating things goes back to your upbringing. And I think that is such a cool gift to have received because not everybody is so fortunate and lucky to do that. So that's something I'm just saying, I'm taking away as, as a gratitude piece for me today is just, just to call my mom because my dad's gone. Call my mom to say thanks. Thanks for helping to push me. So I just want to tell you that. Yeah. Good point, man. I appreciate that. I think gratitude, I think that's the point about to gratitude. Yeah. I think that's absolutely, I feel extremely grateful to have parents that have, that have always just been there in every step of the way. And I think there's other ways to fill those voids if they're, maybe you might not have that, you know? So I think it's always nice to have someone there for you, no matter what capacity. All right. So let's get our audience connected with you. But before that, I got to ask you one last thing. Give me a quote, something that has been maybe in front of you, something that maybe you've said that really helps to motivate you or something that maybe your parents said. I know that you had an early on one from mom, right? But like, what's something today that's a quote that's sitting in front of you that you kind of like, you know what, if I can just do that, I'm good. I mean, oh man. I mean, it's just kind of like cliche and entrepreneurially, like, it's always like, oh, you know, it's a little cliche, but, and everyone wants to like, quote Steve Jobs. Everyone loves Steve Jobs. But I will say the one thing that always hit me with one of the things he's always said, and it was more offhanded, but it was just really, he always said, you know, if I'm doing this one thing too long and then I, and I look at myself in the mirror and like, I keep telling myself, I don't want to be doing this. Like, and I do that for too many times in the mirror for too long, then I just change it and I don't do it anymore. You shouldn't be doing it. And I just think that that always reigns true. You know, so I always try to check myself on that point and making sure that I'm not waking up too many days in a row saying, you know, I don't want to be doing this anymore. That's not to say that those, you know, people don't have bad days and those days don't exist. It's just how many of those in a row are you really willing to tolerate? That's always been the gray line I try to walk. I love that. I also kind of something that goes with it is I heard this not too long ago says you never quit on a bad day. Right? We, all, <laughs> we all have good ones and bad ones. Just don't quit on a bad day. That's all good right. advice. That is great advice. All right, Chris Gonzalez, the question was asked in the beginning. The question is now asked again. What is your definition of success? My definition of success, I would have to say, is change a little bit into learning, growth, progress, and uh, like well-being. And then I'm still going to say financial freedom and, and uh, family, though. And you need money like you need deodorant. You'll stink if you don't have any of it. Um, <laughs> all right. How do people get connected with you so we make sure we serve the audience well in the show notes today? People will go back and they'll be able to find a way to get connected to you, follow you on Instagram, check out what you're up to through LinkedIn, et cetera. How do people get connected with you? Well, you can connect with me on LinkedIn, Chris Gonzalez. That's where I hang out most, and that's where I do the most of my writing and publishing. And then you guys can also connect with me if you want to talk influencer marketing, Chris at neoreach.com. That's my direct inbox. So shoot me an email if you got any questions. And uh, yeah, just hit me on my email or hit me on LinkedIn. All right. Well, thank you very much for being a great guest on the show today. I hope I served you, your audience, and your people well. Thank you for allowing me the chance to interview you. It's awesome. Ladies and gentlemen, no matter where you go, no matter what you do, remember one thing, the most important thing. Make today the best day of your life. Thanks for listening to today's show. But before you go, let me ask you a question. How would you like to be the architect of your journey in this game we call life? Take the next step now at trainersanddrivers.com and download my free mini course designed to give you more clarity and freedom in your day. It might just change your life forever. Forever.